0: You're listening to Meeting Pod, the podcast powered by Meeting Place, the premier magazine and news source for the meat and poultry processing industry, and Alt Meat Magazine, the only business information resource for the exploding alternative meat industry. Hi, I'm Julie Larson-Brischer, your host for episode 73 of Meeting Pod, where we're talking food safety culture, leadership, and continuous improvement with Jill Stuber, co-founder of Catalyst LLC, a company that aims to provide a roadmap for food manufacturers and retail organizations to build sustainable food safety culture. Jill's a food safety nerd at heart and believes every food safety and quality professional is a leader. Her passion is engaging individuals and teams to increase confidence, clarity, and build community to have the success they deserve as technical leaders in food. As the co-founder of Catalyst, Jill supports technical teams across top retailers, manufacturers, and in startup companies close the gap between business growth and food safety and quality risks. Before starting Catalyst, Jill founded the Food Safety Coach, where she coached food safety and quality assurance professionals to make a difference at their companies by becoming better leaders. And for 20 years, Jill served in and led quality and food safety teams for several multi-million dollar food companies and food industry support companies at both corporate and frontline facility levels. Our meeting place community will likely know Jill from her 14 years at Golden Plump Company, where she was lab manager and quality systems manager for the Minnesota-based chicken processor. In addition to holding a number of degrees in the disciplines of food science and quality management, Jill is a certified professional coach. She is also HACCP certified, PCQI certified, and SQF practitioner, an IFT-certified food scientist, a lean facilitator, and a Six Sigma black belt. Welcome to Meeting Pod, Jill. It's a pleasure to have you as a guest on the podcast today, and I'm really looking forward to nerding out with you. <laughs> ah, Thanks, Julie. It is a pleasure
1: to be here. I have been an avid Meeting Place reader for years where I get to hear from industry leaders, and so I'm just tickled to be here with you.
0: Oh, I'm delighted to have you. I really, really am. So let's dive right in. Before we talk about food safety culture, I'd love to know a little bit more about what drew you to food science, and how you got into the food industry as a career, and what do you like most about it? You know, I'm not really
1: sure I was drawn in as much as I stumbled upon food science. I grew up milking cows in Wisconsin, and when I went for my undergrad, I completely thought I would be a dairy science major and I would take care of baby calves all my life. But when I got there, everyone was a dairy science major. And so, of course, I switched to broad area ag because I wanted to have more options. Lo and behold, one of the electives I took was Food Science 101, and I loved it. That was really the beginning because from there I worked in the school food micro lab and I really enjoyed playing with bugs. After I graduated, I went to Lando Lakes and I worked in the corporate analytical lab just as they were getting their ISO certification. And so really from the beginning, I grew up in quality systems, which really solidified this food safety quality path that I'm on now and love.
0: Well, this episode, we kind of focus a little bit in on poultry production and processing. And I know you spent quite a few years working in the poultry processing industry and specifically at Golden Plump, mm-hmm. where your roles focused on assuring food safety and quality. So were there any particular learnings from your experience in the poultry plant, food safety, continuous improvement, or something else that you could share with us today?
1: You know, it's so funny because when you ask this question, I think there are so many things I learned. And so to kind of boil it down to two things, the ones that stand out to me are food safety and quality policies don't always equal food safety culture. And being a technical expert doesn't always mean you're a technical leader. And to give some context to that, when I started at Golden Plump, I was one of very few formally trained food scientists. And at Golden Plump, we were just entering the GFSI era, where Walmart and other big retailers were really requiring GFSI certification. So, of course, we bulked up on policies and procedures and we formalized things because while we had many of them already in place, they weren't really in that formalized quality system. And so our team really pulled all of those things together, and we had all the necessary documentation for success, but we didn't quite get there. Around the same time or a little after, USDA really had some evolving performance standards and their responses to pathogens when it came to poultry. This is that era when they were transitioning sample set A to the moving window, and we were looking at parts performance standards. If you remember, that's back when there had been a few ground turkey recalls and Foster Farms was in the news, and it was really an interesting transition period. And as a Six Sigma Black Belt, I got to work with teams across the organization to better understand our current state, and then even look at where we wanted to go to better understand things like interventions and share those even with the National Chicken Council Second Processing Group. So those two things, both of these required change, GFSI requirements and these evolving performance standards, but not surface level change. Like we weren't just going to tweak something and have success. It was one of those core, like, how are we actually going to do business? But even with making changes, we still had problems. And some were small. Like I remember waking up and checking my phone for emails. And I would have like a list of overnight notifications from the plant saying, hey, we've been out of spec for you know one of our interventions all night. And people had taken actions and had looked at things. And we find like six of eight nozzles are clogged in a spray cabinet. And of course, we know that didn't just happen overnight. And so there's this gap of like what we said we were going to do and what we were doing. So we saw it not only at The kind of front line, but also with our senior leadership. We were really working on like, how do we move from good is being in compliance with USDA to we have brand risk? You know, and both of these things really lead back to people and looking at like, are we aligned in our mission? Are we prepared to be in our roles? Are we engaged so we all do our part, which at the time we didn't know was food safety culture, because we were using that before it was a buzzword but you know really that all kind of goes back to my learning which was recognizing that being a technical expert who was likable and I did the right things was really different than being a technical leader that could fundamentally you know help develop and grow others and really scrutinize the strategy and vision our organization was taking and so that really led to those two learnings of Policies don't mean culture and expert doesn't always mean leader. Right.
0: (laughs) Well, I hadn't planned on asking you this, but you mentioned the Lean Six Sigma. Mm -hmm. And what I'm finding is that the poultry industry seemed to really lead the charge out of all the species in implementing Lean Six Sigma, you know, as part of that culture of quality assurance but you put in those kind of hard metrics right where you can really measure your key performance indicators right and yeah did you find that to be true when you were working in poultry did they tend to have really strong continuous improvement programs i guess that's what i'm asking You
1: know, I think in general, everybody has the initiative to take improvement actions. I think it's just looking at kind of like, where do those come in and how are they driven to really understand how they're going to help strengthen systems and support people?
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, whether it's a dairy plant or a baking operation or a meat and poultry processing facility, food safety is always job one. So what's Mm -hmm. keeping people up at night these days, especially in the meat and poultry category?
1: You know, I think it's the same things that have been keeping us up for years, right? We always worry about recalls. And it's, I think we've shifted from recognizing that it's not if we have a recall, it's when and just being prepared because that ultimate risk and that ultimate failure with people and making sure that they're not sick or more is really what we are here to do. And hopefully we're not waiting to that point obviously. So I think that's always on our mind. But a couple of the other things that I see really filtering up for us in the past couple of years, you know, the first one is really supply chain. And of course we all know with the pandemic that that really put a hitch in getting what we needed, but it also opened up this other perspective because when our suppliers had to look for different suppliers it really challenged us to think about what do we know about our suppliers because all of that risk really comes right back to us so does trust but verify get us where we need to be so i think that's on our mind a lot when we think about suppliers but i think the other thing that keeps us up at night as well is staffing and you know this has been something that's been in meat and poultry, and probably the rest of the food industry for years. You know, there's never enough people or, or the right people. And I always chuckle because of meat and poultry. I'm like, it's not glamorous. It's cold. It's wet. It's long hours, tough conditions, usually not, you know, vacation land areas that you're going to go work in and be stationed at. But I think some of the things that we see that are causing pain points, can they be related or are they related to some of how we've structured roles in food for people? Especially, you know, I always have a soft heart for people in food safety and quality. But right, we know it's not uncommon for there to be 10 or 12 hour days, five to six days a week, mandatory overtime on weekends or, you know, a startup or a plant shutdown on a holiday so that, you know, you don't always get those times off. And I think in food safety and quality specifically, it's a heavy weight to carry the responsibility of food safety. And we're trying to lead teams and write policies, review suppliers, and you know, stay up to date on regulations and everything else. And when we do that on top of being on call 24-7, 365, it's almost like an uphill battle for compliance. And that's where we really know that this food safety culture piece is part of that change that we need to make so we can have the success that we want. So I think that's really what keeps us up at night. And then we see those symptoms like burnout or turnover. Or I love when we talk about the new generation and, you know, they don't really always buy into that's how we need to do work. So I think it'll be really fun to see over the next few years how we shift or what changes as those new generations are coming further into the workforce.
0: Yeah. And I think you've done a great job kind of pointing out the sort of that modern, take on what's keeping people up at night, the standard food safety person question, right? (laughs) So if those things are true, then what's helping people sleep better?
1: You know, I really think it's shifting to being people-focused, not policy-focused. And what I mean is, you know, that's really where the culture part comes in. So companies that are changing culture are really sleeping better. They're moving away from, hey, this is what our policy says to, what is it that people are looking for? What gives them purpose? And I think as we do that, it challenges us to look at, you know, and review roles and org structures so that people have success. It's looking at workload because people really do want a life outside of work, even if we love what we do. And I always think about people need preventive maintenance just like equipment. So as we think about, like, how do we sleep better, I think it's also good to consider that culture doesn't have to always be driven top-down. It can start small. And I remember our team at Golden Plump, we were small but mighty. And one of the first things we did when we really were challenged to think about how do we better take care of people was we started with standard work. We just made a list of what we do, how long it takes, and it was really clear that we were over capacity. The best part was now we had data, so we could take that to other decision makers and groups in the organization. So we could say, well, do we need more people? Do we need less work? Do we need automation? What we knew is that it allowed us to move past, and I'm going to do the air quotes, busy, because when we're busy, we're not productive. And that just starts that whole cycle of, if I'm not productive, I don't feel like I have as much purpose. I feel less engaged. Then we have turnover, and that's cost. So, I think what helps us sleep better at night is really thinking and being creative about how do we take care of our people better.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that reminds me, there's also that element of training, you know, Mm -hmm. of people that's very people focused. And I'm wondering, do you have a take on how food safety training has changed over the years? Well, it's definitely shifted.
1: And I love talking about training because, right, you can't like, Go too far with talking about it or seeing it. It's everywhere. And I think the biggest shift is really kind of is how we train. I don't know. Years ago, we used to right, put somebody in a room or put them in a presentation as a new hire and like bore them to death with all of the policies that they needed to know. And then we wondered, how is it that they don't know to do this out on the plant floor? <laughs> and to top it off, then we would also just follow up on an annual basis and do the same sleeper training. And I think now companies have definitely realized that even for people to absorb training in bite sizes makes it more practical. We also look at how do we make it more relatable. So these bite-sized pieces, whether it's monthly or in the moment or person to person and even online, you know, just evolving with how people learn and really trying to have some of that connection so that we have the purpose. You know, I think one of the things we also see a lot is that there's a big focus on kind of that practical operational side with training. Obviously, that's good. That's where things happen. But I know at Golden Plump, we used to say that our team spent so much time training others, yet we didn't always train ourselves. And as food safety and quality leaders, I think it's really valuable for us to consider what other training do we need. So even when HR would offer general leadership, We thought it was helpful, but it was primarily through the lens of, like, operations. And it was kind of that old, hey, tell people what to do and then hold them accountable. And I think that doesn't really apply or work well when you're in food safety and quality, because we don't own anything, right? We just are trying to influence people. And so there's a really big difference on how we approach doing that. And so when we meld that technical expertise with leadership skills for influencing, we are so powerful. And of course, my own personal story is that's where I struggled. I didn't find the leadership that I needed. And so I had to search and look myself. So I self-learned. I studied to become a certified coach. I talked to a lot of people. And that's really what was the foundation when I started the Food Safety Coach, to have these coaching-based leadership programs for people in technical roles. And that's really the foundation of Catalyst now. And so we really look at how do we help do things different when it comes to training slash coaching to develop these really strong technical leaders.
0: Yeah, you know, this is reminding me of my, well, probably our mutual friend and colleague, definitely my mentor, Larry Keener. Mm -hmm. He taught me for years about how we need to really get technical people to understand the business side of the food company, right, that they work for. And we always called it, you know, the technical businessman, that was his Mm -hmm. model. And I can't Tell you how many things from training, like you were just saying, to just to be able to actually present in a meeting, you know, in the C-suite and not bore people to death, right, with yeah. overload data, <laughs> Or whatever, which makes complete sense to you as the scientist, right? But maybe not so much to the C-suite guy. And so I like that idea that you just said about your influencers, right? You're <laughs> not necessarily need to know all the operational aspects of something, but that food safety technical person is influencing. And to do that, you need to be a technical businessman. <laughs>
1: You do, because even though we're trying to help drive decisions based on science and data, at the end of the day, people make decisions based on emotions. So it's important for us to understand the business, but it's so important for us to also understand people and what gives them that purpose, what really ties in so that we are influencing to
0: really drive the food safety outcomes that we want and need to protect the business. Right. We're coming up on the end of the episode now, Jill. But so I have one final question. So if there was one or two top takeaways you'd like to share with our meeting pod listeners today, what would they be and why? You know, I'm going to circle back to
1: the things we started with. Policies does not equal culture. And I say that because, you know, we're in this space where we're still waiting to see what FDA or GFSI will really declare will be audited and inspected. And we see people holding back to kind of build food safety culture because they want to know if they're going to align. And I think that message is really about, all right, let's start taking care of people. Because even if we wait for that policy, that won't get the culture you want. So really, you know, thinking about how are you taking care of people since they are our most valuable asset? How are we truly honoring that? And then I think the other one is that Technical experts don't always mean you're a technical leader. And I think every technical expert can be a technical leader, but it does take a different mindset and skill set. And so sometimes we see where organizations may tell their food safety quality team to go find a mentor or simply take a generic leadership course. And I think that creates a longer, harder road for them to have success and maybe even burnout and frustration. And so, you know, if you're serious about developing your leaders to be technical experts, you know, really thinking about how you will get there to support your people and the goals that you have.
0: Right. It's great. I'm glad you circled back because these are two really important takeaways, I think, from our discussion today and just for all time. I'm going to thank you again, Jill, for taking the time to share your insights with us today on Meeting Pod and listeners. You can learn more about Catalyst LLC and how the team sparks transformation in food safety and quality at www foodsafetycatalyst.com. You can also connect with Jill on LinkedIn. Just search for Jill Stuber, that's S-T-U-B-E-R, to find her professional profile. Or visit the Catalyst LLC company page on LinkedIn, where you'll find Real Talk Food Safety with Tia and Jill, the weekly podcast on building sustainable food safety cultures hosted by Jill and her Catalyst co-founder, Tia Glave. Real Talk is live on LinkedIn every Wednesday at 12 noon Eastern and available for replay on YouTube. They have loads of amazing guests on topics ranging from best practices for onboarding a co-packer to designing and owning your food safety journey subscribe to that real talk food safety podcast on youtube you know i did you can also head over to the website to access our technical article archives to get more smart manufacturing advice from our poultry processor and other science and technology newsletters thanks again jill i'm looking forward to seeing you irl at iafp's (laughs) annual meeting in pittsburgh at the end of the month look at me and my acronyms
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> look at you. I'm excited to be there. Thank you, Julie. It
0: really has been a pleasure to be here with you today. All right. We'll talk again soon. Thanks, Jill. Thanks for spending time with Meeting Pod today. Remember to tune in on Mondays and get the inside track on the people and processes that power the protein supply. Be sure to subscribe to Meeting Pod on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And follow Meeting Place and Alt Meet magazines on social media or visit our websites at meetingplace.com and alt-meet.net.